Welcome to another episode of Tools, Talents, and Techniques. I'm your host, Dustin Sutton, and today I have the privilege, the honor to introduce to you Mr. Michael Beckerman. He is the CEO of Cretech, which is the premier conference company that's dedicated to technology and sustainability in the, the built environment. So this conversation talks a lot about not just commercial real estate and sustainability, although we do talk about those topics, but more about Michael and his life and his journey and the things that he sees and what he's doing and how what led him to here. In the conversation, you'll hear more about him struggling to find his way and find his purpose and his career. And then he had some success, but really it, it took an epiphany and really working towards certain aspects of his career and his self to, to be a fully realized professional and human being. So I hope that listeners take uh, even a piece of what I was able to take and gain from this conversation. Here he is, without any further ado, Mr. Michael Beckerman. Michael, welcome to the show. Hey, Justin. Thanks so much for having me. A pleasure to be here. I'm a big fan of all the great work that you're doing. So it's uh, it's a real privilege to be on the podcast with you. Oh, man, the, the, the privilege, the honor is mine. And I'm sure that our listeners, that anyone who's not familiar with you, will come away from this with a better understanding of who you are and why you do what you do and what makes you special. Uh, so, but before we jump in, could you just introduce yourself and say a little bit about what you do? Yeah, great. Thanks. So, Michael Beckerman, I'm the CEO of a company called Cretech. Our main business is uh, conferences uh, that are focused on driving technology adoption and sustainability uh, adoption as well into the built environment. So most of my world is commercial real estate. So it's office, multifamily, logistics, retail, uh, self-storage, hospitality, et cetera, et cetera. And since 2017, I've been on this mission to try and galvanize the world's biggest asset class, which you know so well, to try and embrace technology, sustainability, innovation. So uh, we got started, as I said, in 2017. First conference was probably a few dozen people. Now we've built this global audience of a couple hundred thousand people and conferences get a couple thousand people. Uh, we do one in New York and one in London. So that's my primary business today, and I'm a 40, almost 40 year veteran of the commercial real estate industry. So it's the only industry that I I've ever worked in. The, the conference that you throw in New York is unbelievable. And we're going to get more into the details of that. And I, I want to get to the one over in Europe as well. That's on my, my list there. But before we talk about, about that, I want to talk a little bit about the origin story of Michael Beckerman. So where where are you originally from? Like, where did you get started in, in your life journey? Yeah, oh, goodness gracious, uh, <laughs> that's, a, that's a big question. I hope my kids don't listen to this because they might they might uh, they might find out some things about their dad. That's not so impressive. <laughs> hey, you don't have to go. That, you don't have to go that deep. You talk about what you where you want to go. Well, meaning you know, I mean, I I um I grew up in New Jersey in Essex County in a town called Livingston, and uh, you know, I I was never. Uh, on a, somebody that was going to uh, embrace and embark on a traditional career journey. I was a failed college student. And uh, so I did a little bit of time in college. Sounds like prison the way I describe it. <laughs> <laughs> me. Um, and just sort of embarked on an entrepreneurial journey that I've been on for a very, very long time. I got started in my very early 20s. And, you know, I'm just one of these guys that never really had a grand plan, Dustin. I just sort of just show up every day and see what the universe brings to me and the, the mistakes that I make. I try and not repeat them as often as I usually do. And, uh, you know, just be opportunistic in, you know, um, where I can kind of find uh, a place to have an impact uh, and feel fulfilled in my own sort of career journey. So pretty non-traditional uh, path, not one I'd rec highly recommend for anyone else because, Oftentimes it's a harder journey, uh, but it's because it's so non-traditional, but it's been, it's my authentic journey. So yeah, I've been working on my own, never worked for anybody since, you know, my, my early twenties. And as I said, you know, always in this one industry, commercial real estate, which I kind of stepped into, fell into, but fell in love with. Hmm. 
when you were you the uh, college and you're trying to find your way, or maybe you weren't, maybe you're just wandering aimlessly. I, I was wandering aimlessly through the desert. <laughs> if you could call Jersey a desert, but it was, it, you know, <laughs> yeah, I didn't really have much of a career path. I didn't really, as a young man, didn't have much motivation or I didn't have much work ethic. Um, so I, I was that kid that, you know, kind of always got sort of left behind in a way, you know, I, I just didn't fit into the educational system. I wasn't a good student. I wasn't very driven and, you know, life and circumstances are the, the, my greatest teachers. So that's where I, I've learned is just, you know, having to survive, having to, you know, make a, a living for myself, then for my family and being fulfilled along the way. So that's kind of been my, my career path. When you mentioned, so did you, did you leave college? Did you drop out or yeah, I dropped, uh, of college? I dropped out and started working uh, very, very early. Uh, my parents had a very small business and, uh, you know, I, I wasn't doing well in college. I, I just didn't stick. And, uh, mm. you know, I just started to, their, their business was floundering and I, I just went to go support them and help them. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. And, you know, I had a couple other small part-time jobs at the same time. And then I kind of, you know, found some things that I really was passionate about and I really enjoyed. And when I stop enjoying them, I, I go look for the next blank canvas. And that's kind of how I've built my, my own career. It's worked for me. Um, yeah. Man, this sounds eerily sim similar to, uh, to my, my uh, career experience. Well, uh, I'm not the only one that's sort of, uh, you know, faking it till I make it. I'm not uh, saying you, but you know, yeah. just, just, you know, you just kind of, I've, I found if you, if you don't, if you don't sit too much in the past and you don't think too much about the future and you just be very present, you know, you could see like a lot of opportunities that just kind of unfold. And if you put yourself out there, you talk to a lot of people and you listen more than you, than you talk, you know, you can, you can find some really interesting, cool things to do with your career. Well, I, from my experience, it's very frustrating when you don't fit in a lot of different places. And, and for me, for my career, I've tried a lot of different things and, you know, it's like, well, I do it for a while. And then it's like, nah, this isn't it. And then I try something else like, ah, this isn't it. But, but to your point, eventually you start to realize what doesn't work for you, what does, and it, you kind of mold your, your way along the journey. I think what's so, that's great, Justin. Thanks, Justin. I think what's so interesting for me is that it's the realization and it might take 30 years. Hopefully it doesn't for most people. It might take 40 years, but eventually, you know, you do sort of find the path, you know, you do sort of arrive at, at certain seminal moments where you realize, oh, that's where I'm supposed to go. And, you know, it's taken me a very, very long time, but I'm in a place right now where I think it's, I know it's the most passionate, the most committed, determined, uh, focused I've ever been in my career. And I look at like all these different roads that I've traveled down, real estate, tech, climate, they've all converged now. And now I see, oh, this is where I'm supposed to be right now. All those struggles hardships, the you know challenges of building a business from nothing, and you know as I said, all the mistakes that I've made, um, you know, you get to the point where like, oh, it all makes sense now. It did mm. way, you know, <laughs> you know while you're you're going through it and you're on the bottom again, you're like, what the f? Ugh. But eventually, if you just stay with it, that sense of optimism and wonder which I think is, again, it's not what they teach you in school, but it's how I've learned. I know how you've learned. If you just kind of don't give up on that and you show up and you show up every day, you, you'll find it. And that's where I'm at now at this ripe old age of 59. Kind of found it. And I, I'm very, very purposeful and driven now. And it's all about, for me, the decarbonization of the built environment. And you know, now I'm like, okay, it's go time. So that's kind of how, where I've landed today. One of the things that you, that sense of all that sense of wonder and, and curiosity that 
I, I agree with you 100% that that's key to moving forward because if you're always like, well, how can this be done? Why is it done like this? Can we do this better? Or is there something that we could do or bring somebody else in here? And I think from what I know of your journey and, and from my journey specifically, it's all the tools that you learned from those let's call them failures, even though they're building blocks, you can pull from that bag of tools and say like, oh, I know this person from this and I'm going to bring them on to help me figure out this. Or I'm going to use this technique that I pulled from from this industry and and do that here. And it all builds towards... That is fantastic to hear that you feel that you arrived. There's no better feeling than being in that zone of you're making an impact, you're driven, you're purposeful. So congratulations on that. Thanks, man. It means a lot coming from you, Dustin. I think the other thing is that, you know, one of the things I've learned, and I, I do, I do, you know, embrace a lot of spirituality in my own work journey. And I see that, you know, the other thing that I realized along the way, and you, you're, you're a great example of this as well, is that, you know, I think your personal life and your professional life, if you're truly authentic in who you are, they'll, they, they should be one, you know, who you are, in your personal life is who you should show up for in your professional life. I really, really believe that. So for me, you know, the other thing that I've learned is that the resistance is the teacher. So when I struggle, when I'm really, you know, not making the progress that I really feel we, we should, or I should, I lean in on that stuff and I say, okay, well, this is where I'm going to learn. This is my school. This is my education right here, right now. So just, being able to sit with it and listen and observe I, um, and not be scared of the risks and the failures. I think that's another sort of core covenant of, of, of my career. I think, you know, I've often, you know, think about there's so many different ways you could go with your career. You know, I know you have a lot of young people in your audience. I mean, it is not for me to judge anybody. I mean, everybody's got their own career path, their own authentic journey. You know, you can either, Follow a career where you can maximize either productivity and profit and financial gain, and that could be your North Star, and that's great. And you just you rinse and repeat, and you try and get to that point where you can maximize it, and you keep score that way. Or you're someone like me who, you know, I keep score by am I fulfilled? I'm gonna have to make money. Uh, you know, my company's got to grow. I got payroll. I got, you know, I got kids. I got college. You know, I got bills to pay. But for me, it's more about, you know, do I feel very passionate about what I'm doing every day? Because it's like you, you know, it's a 16, 18, sometimes 20 hour day. I better love it. So for me, it was not just about how do I make the most amount of money as fast as I can? No, it was about like building a narrative and a story and a journey that I, I can be really passionate about. And when I wake up every morning, I love, I love what I do. So, yeah. What, when did you begin your spiritual, uh, let's call it awakening? Because uh, I, I, I take from what you're saying, like this wasn't always there or maybe it was in the background and you've come to a place of acknowledgement? For sure. Thanks for picking up on that. Um, you know, I think in my 20s and my 30s, probably mid 40s, I was, you know, working... Uh, to, I'd say, sort of mask some insecurities, mask my fears, mask my um, stress about, you know, being able to put food on the table and, survive, you know, and uh, have, a, you know, a career to be able to build a home and a family and, and just feeling because, you know, again, come, came coming from a pretty challenging childhood, just feeling that sense of like, I got to prove something. I got to prove something. I got to be something and listening to that inner voice. Uh, so, you know, I think of the, the bulk of my early career, I definitely was not fulfilled uh, in what the work I was doing. Uh, but it was, it was, it was a good career and I built a good company and we survived and we got to a nice little scale for what we were doing but then one day I just woke up and said, this, this is very unfulfilling. I don't enjoy this. I don't like the work. I don't feel like it's purposeful. I don't love getting up every morning and going and doing it. Um, 
And at the same time, you know, starting a family, uh, my wife uh, has been a practicing Buddhist most of her life, learning about Buddhism, learning about mindfulness, spirituality. You know, I got to that. I just had an epiphany. I was like, well, F it. You know, I, I don't like this. So I'm going to walk away from it. Not again, like I said, if I maybe if I got this to school, I would have like, you know, understood. OK, well, if you just keep going. You could be on a golf course in five years. Just keep going. Just kind of ride that wave. <laughs> Don't get off. You know, maximize, squeeze it, squeeze it, squeeze it. But then what? What if like the fruit truck came and knocked me over and life was over? And, you know, that was, that sucked. That wasn't, that didn't feel good. I was never somebody that was driven by material uh, wealth. So I just had this epiphany. I had this company that I built and I was like, all right. I'm going to figure out a plan to get out. Uh, and I figured out a way to get out and then just really stumbled along the way till I, you know, kind of came to Cree Tech and said, okay, I like this. This is a new blank canvas. I don't know anything about technology. I love commercial real estate. It's the biggest industry on earth. The one that spends the least on technology and R and D. Um, there's no community here. There's no tech community. I'll go build that. I love networking. I love working with people. I love meeting people. So that's when I stepped into that and started all over again, probably in my late 40s. And uh, I, I don't regret it for a day. One of the, uh, I guess, the idiom, the, the the more you give, the more you receive. And I, I feel like the letting go of where you experience, like everything that you're saying, I jive with 1000% because when you have that, you said the resistance is the teacher and you're feeling this way. Like, why do I feel this way? And, and you let go and look what, I don't want to say the universe gave to you, but look what you've been able to accomplish by letting go of all those feelings in this, man, this is, ah, that, this is great. I, <laughs> I am, uh, well, again, Justin, it's not, you know, I mean, the, the spiritual, um, you know, uh, what, you know, the, 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 marshmallows, unicorns, rainbows, and all that kind of talk you know, that people might be rolling their eyes. That's just my journey. It's your journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll tell you, though, there's the, this, the, the embracing of a sort of a spiritual professional life has been one of the great discoveries of, of my, my journey. And I, I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to even talk about that. I know that's not what we intended to, but it's great. We're, we're, you know, we're sitting on this topic. There's a great book called Untethered Soul that I I read a lot. And a lot of what I read is like you can apply to business about, like you said, Dustin, letting go, trusting the universe. Doesn't mean you don't grind like a son of a bitch, which I did. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I hustle now at 59 like I did when I was 29. Oh, my goodness, I do. Doesn't mean I'm still getting my ass kicked because I am. Doesn't mean I'm not you know, making mistakes every day and learning from them because hopefully I still am. But it just means that like the deep anxiety of what this will look like in a year or two or five or 10, I, I don't worry about that. I just sit mm-hmm. in this moment and that's where the mindfulness comes in because I just sit here. Okay. This day, this moment, this hour, I'm sitting here talking to Dustin Sutton and we're having a conversation. I'm fully present. That sort of mindfulness has given has helped me so much in my in my business career to shed a lot of the noise that's in my brain, uh, to turn off a lot of the chatter and just lock in. Whether I'm on stage at a conference and giving a speech or I'm doing this wonderful podcast, or I'm on a team call. You know, I think in the past I was too anxious, I was in too much of a hurry. And I think that's where I made a lot of sloppy mistakes. I wasn't paying attention and I wasn't present. So my, my mindfulness practice, my spirituality practice, it just helps me lock in at this moment. And it also helps like, you know, just trust that uh, as long as I lean in on helping people, everybody that reaches out, I don't care if it's a college kid or it's, you know, it's, it's somebody my age that's looking for a job or a company that's looking for an intro. Um, you lean in and you help, number one. Mm-hmm. Don't ask for anything in return. Number two is 
you know, if you just have that beginner's mindset every day, like, oh, like, you know, I just learned every call. I'm learning every conversation. I'm just learning every person I meet inspires me. Mm. You'll, you'll get there. You'll get there. Yeah. Well, one of the things that, that I want to make sure that I address that you said, well, maybe it's not what people are we're tuning in for what they want to hear. That's okay. My <laughs> expectation. So, and even coming into this call, I, I know, you, and I want to share your journey and, and, you know, like the, the steps of your career, but the tools, talents, and techniques are not limited to what people want to hear. It's, I want to know like what tool, if, if meditation it is is one of those tools if if it's drinking less caffeine or or like whatever it is or or, or you tequila in my case <laughs> yeah or, or or that you know anything but it's like like the, the 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 way that people get to their journey and where they are and hopefully it's in a place of fulfillment it's that's the whole point of these conversations and that's the learning that I want to do. And maybe somebody that's listening to this, that wanted to know about cap rates, you know, is like, Oh, everyone keeps talking about meditation. Maybe I should look into that more. I, you know, who knows, but this, but that's why I'm so, that's why I'm so grateful to be able to have these type of well, conversations. You're doing a good service, man. That's why I love, I love the podcast. I think that, I think we you know the, the common sort of, and again, if you look at business and you say, well, the, the scorecard doesn't always have to be a dollar sign. It doesn't always have to be who has the most. It's, you know, who's the most fulfilled in what they're doing. And that's what I always look at. Who are the people that just are deeply passionate about their work and making an impact, whatever that is. And the rewards come. They do come. It's not to say we're all, you know, some, you know, nonprofit and we shouldn't think about, I mean, we live in a capitalist society and I want to win, man. I mean, I want to win in everything I do. I want to be the best at whatever I do in the business. But how do you get there? I think a lot of mistakes that I see that people make, you know, and I'm not an expert in this, please trust me. I don't mean to sound so arrogant, is that they just get stuck and the sense of inertia of, of you know, not taking risks. You, you know, you got to be willing to fail. You know, and I get like a, so many, and I'm sure you do too, man. Like so many people reach out to me looking for career advice. And then you start to say, well, what about this? And you hear the resistance. Well, I don't know. And not so. And sometimes you just got to dive in the freaking pool and not worry about what the temperature is. Just jump in and see what it looks like. Because that, that sort of action will lead to something else, will lead to something else. So I just, I try to encourage people not not run from risk, not run from failure, and just, you know, follow your gut and follow, follow you know, what your passion in life. And, you know, you really, it's amazing what you'll discover. I mean, give an example for my, I had a climate event recently and, um, you know, I was thinking about like speakers, right? And, I, you know, my mission about decarbonizing the built environment, 40% of all carbon emissions, as you know, it's the biggest source of, car of greenhouse gas emissions, the built environment, commercial real estate, uh, of any other industry. And I was like, well, I want to get a speaker that's really going to like be a wow factor. And I was like, just, you know, thinking around and, and like, who do I know? Who don't I know that I could get? And I was like, oh, I read about this guy, Chris Sacca, right? Mm. Successful early stage investor in history, Uber, Twitter, now X, whatever it is, um, Instagram, many, many, many others. And now he's got a climate fund. It's most of his money, $2 billion under management. And you know what? I was like, F it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to reach out to Chris Saka. What do I got to lose? You know, what he's, you know, I got to him, one degree of separation from a friend, a colleague. And he said, yeah, I'll do it. Next thing I know, I'm interviewing this guy on stage and I'm a freaking sponge and I'm learning so much from this guy. Well, a lot of people would have said, oh, you'll never get him. It's impossible to get him. Why would he even, you could go through that narrative. Why would he come to a Cretech event? I mean, we're, we're nothing compared to his massive universe, you know? I mean, this is a guy that buddies with Sam Altman and Elon Musk and all that. And all that. What are you doing with Michael Beckerman? I'm a peon. <laughs> You don't know what you ask, man. And it was unbelievable. The best probably 45 minutes of learning in my entire career. 
That's not, cool. I just asked, you know? That's 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 special, man. And also what you said about um taking taking risks, you know, you didn't just get that like all the other risks that you've taken in your life and your career led you to that, to be able to that. All the all the pools that you jump in and temperature like oh, it ended up being okay led you to have the confidence to to do that. So yeah, that's so cool. Well, like I think about, you know, I know you got a large audience in commercial real estate, Dustin. And like, you know, I just think about, you know, real estate professionals. I mean, let's say you're a broker, you've been in the business for 10 years or 40 years. There is so much change in the air in that industry. Um, and, or you're a developer, or you're, in, you're in construction, or you're an engineer, or you're an architect, or an appraisal, whatever it is. Like, so here's Cretech, and I'm not selling that. Like, there's so much happening in on the innovation front. Like, step into my world and discover. That's why I appreciate mm-hmm. it. Like, discover what some of these tools are. Discover what some of the bigger firms are using and doing. Learn about sustainability and climate. And just, you know, broaden your, you know, ex, you know in, invest in, like, knowledge of changes that are coming to the industry. I mean... What I have found is those that rinse and repeat eventually get knocked off. Eventually, no matter where you sit, on top, in the middle, on the bottom, if you're somebody that's just going through the motions of the career, eventually you will get left behind. So I'm always like, what's next? What, where can I, I'm always like on this discovery of knowledge, you know? I mean, I don't know anything about technology, Dustin. I don't know anything about sustainability up to a couple of years ago. Nothing. I can barely turn on my phone. My kids are always like rolling their eyes like, okay, dad, let me show you how to do this again. <laughs> you know, and, but, and I stepped into that and no business being in, in this business. I don't, I don't, you know, I'm the slow learner. I have to read things 10 times till they just make sense. The vocabulary is different that, you know, I mean, everything about AI or ML or ChatGPT or now on the climate front, understanding, you know, uh, you know, carbon and how it comes together and how it impacts the built environment. And it's hard work. Yeah. I'm a, I'm, you know, just more, I'm in a better position to make impact with this sort of new knowledge sets. And that's what I'm encouraging all of your listeners to do is, Step into what's unknown. Uh, It's just a, it's a wonderful way to constantly be growing. One of the things I I really want to talk about this and the details of of facing resistance in the industry, because historically, you know, real estate and commercial real estate, it's very slow to adapt new uh, technologies and innovations. But before we get there, I want to go back to when you said you first got into the industry. Um, and so what, what was your first introduction into, you know, I know you worked in PR and you worked with a lot of large firms. Like, how did you get into the industry in the first place? Oh, gosh, that's, that's a, you're taking me way back. Um, <laughs> I was, I was, um, I was looking for a, a career. Uh, marketing seemed like something I could do. PR was something I liked because I always liked media. I liked content. So I didn't, again, I didn't have any schooling in knowing, you know, I didn't take any business classes, right? I barely got through high school. So for me, like, I didn't know. It wasn't like, oh, going to finance or, oh, going to this. It was like, what could I step into where maybe it didn't require tremendous amount of technical skill set. And so I kind of, I was like, well, I, I like, I like, I like to read. I like current events. So I liked PR. I know anything about it. I met somebody who worked for a big PR agency in New York. I asked for a copy of what a press release looked like. I got a copy of it. I think she mailed it to me. I had it in the mail. I was like, okay, so if that's what I have to do. Now I got to go. I gotta go find somebody that wants me to do it for her. <laughs> so I started, I started uh, just kind of reaching out to various companies where I lived in, in Jersey, and uh, after a little while, I, I found a real estate company, and this one company was like, "Yeah, we'll give you a shot." And I didn't know anything about real estate, 
And, you know, from there, I was like, oh, this is a pretty cool industry. I kind of like it. It's buildings. It's pretty cool. It's everywhere you look, there's a building. Uh, so I started out very small with this little niche of uh, I wanted to be a PR agency for real estate companies. Uh, and I got one, and I got two, and I got 10, and I got 50, and I got 100. And I started how, lo- how, how, lo- how long was that span of when you started to when you were at you know, 50 years? Probably, you know, probably 20 years, 25 years. Okay. Built a pretty good agency, you know, I don't know how many people, 7,500 people, something like that, a couple different offices. And it was good. And, you know, I really liked it. But then I started to see things changing. The internet had come along. So, I, you know, I built this, I sound like such an old fart. But like, you know, a lot of it, I was, I was like, what I'd love to do, I'd love to work with like the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal and like big media big business media and try and pitch them on a story. I loved that. I really loved that. The art of storytelling. I fell in love with it. When that started to go away and the newspapers started to decline and fold and cut and everything went online and went free. I kind of saw the writing on the wall. I was like, it'd be a different world than what I was used to. It's going to be much more social media. And I just found that uninteresting. And that's when I started to think about, okay, I think this ship has sailed for me personally. So then I, I, I bought an agency uh, uh, and uh, eventually, you know, the, the partners there bought me out and I, I was done. But that was my plan. Yeah. And I was going to go look for the next blank canvas in commercial real estate because I wasn't going to go into healthcare. I didn't know anything. You know, I had to stay in this industry and I was just kind of stumbled upon tech. Met a few startups and I was like, oh, Technology, the built environment, and you you know this, Dustin. So the real estate, commercial real estate industry, biggest industri- industry on earth, measured by global GDP. Mm. It invests at least in R and D. Most industries invest between five to ten percent in R and D and technology. Commercial real estate is under one percent. Not because it's archaic, not because it's behind. No, because it never had to. Yeah, it worked for decades and generations of how they acquire and how they build and how they lease and how they operate, and how they sell. They operated like sell spreadsheets, and the greatest fortunes probably other than, than tech were created in real estate. But again, change is in the air. Things were, the way that processes were done, they were obsolete, and they were archaic, and they were inefficient. And it just, change was in the air. And so I was like, okay, well, there's a startup communities here. It's very small. Yeah, I love sort of networking and I, I love building communities and I could see the future is going to be in innovation. It's going to take a hell of a long time. Still got a long ways to go. Um, and so I started organizing conferences, networking. So I would network with um, startups, the technology companies Then I would network with venture because venture had to support them. And then I had a big network with landlords, but I had to expand that mm-hmm. I had to go out and find so you take a big company, whether it's Heinz or whether it's Tishman Spire or CBRE or JLL or whomever, 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 Avalon Bay. I had to go find their heads of innovation. But that wasn't that hard for me because I was already entrenched and I knew how to get there. So just started connecting the dots and building a community. And so, as I said, you know, started like organizing events in 2017. So the first ones, again, 50 people got to 100 people. I remember we had a, one, a couple hundred people. And I thought I was, you know, on the moon. Uh, and then I started, <laughs> and, okay, this is global now. So I bought a company in London that did what we did. And then, um, so, you know, started to focus on two conferences, New York, London, scale those. So New York gets 3,000, 3,500 people. London gets about 1,500 people. It's newer. And then realizing again, listening, talking, observing, reading, studying. Okay. Well, so the built environment is the largest source of greenhouse gas emissions, 40% in total, 29 on the operating carbon, the energy that the buildings use, 11 on the construction and body carbon. This is only a matter of time till the entire world focuses on the built environment and either legislates decarbonization or tenants and residents demand it in the buildings and the spaces they choose, or insurance stops underwriting, banks stop lending. Like, you don't have to be a rocket science to look out and see 
This is the climate crisis is the single greatest threat to ever present itself to the industry. But it's also the single greatest opportunity because forget the moral argument, Dustin. It's a twenty trillion dollar marketplace to decarbonize buildings. Mm. That is that is like I don't know ten internets. It, it's massive. So forget moral. Forget. Any, every, just if you just look at it from a purely capitalistic perspective, this is the big one, and that's where I'm focused now for the next phase of my journey. Yeah, well, you know, you, I was taking I was taking notes because I was like, there's a few things I want to put a pin in here that you said. Um, first, when you when you got started, when you were like, you know, I'm going to do this, and that's another example of you taking a risk and you saying, ah, I, I, this seems this follow my gut. Like this is going to be, and you know, not that many people come, but if you were moving in the right direction and then you learned and then you do the next one and it's a little bigger and then you piece the right people together. That's, that's a testament to everything that you've already said. So you're, you're, you're living that. Um, I, I don't know about that, but I want to, I just got to put some asterisks in there though. I mean, there were times where, whatever it was never a hockey stick i mean mm-hmm. I, this i i could show you all of the cycles and the moments where whatever i was doing i went all the way back to the beginning because the market or my mistakes just crashed what i was building so wow. it's grit and that fortitude to not give up and abandon the ship because i've lived through the worst real estate markets you can ever imagine ever imagine i mean when i was running my pr firm you know, you're you're too young, and the audience won't remember. But you know, two thousand eight, two thousand mid nineties, there was a crash. Two thousand, there was a crash. Two thousand eight, there was a crash. Two thousand seventeen, there was a crash. I lived through, um, you know, the COVID destroying conferences, almost just wiping out my business. So, it's not that to say it's all unicorns and cotton candy and rainbows. Like, it's not how it works. Anybody who tells you otherwise is lying right? and just spinning a, a tail. I mean, there's a few examples of like, you'll see when people built stuff in two, three, four, five years, boom, and they, they, they crushed it. That's not been my journey at all. Yeah. I don't need to buy that at all. No, no, I don't. I, that's not how I, I took it. <laughs> However, even that, saying that, all those crashes that you've been through and all those challenges build your resilience and you learn lessons through that and what's important, what are the foundational um, concepts that 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 remain true throughout these, and how to pivot, how to look at things, how to rebuild through those things. I think those are all really important. I wanted I wanted to also make sure I I, I touched on the concept of how big this industry, the commercial real estate industry, is, and the lack of innovation over the years. And one of the things that I I realized. So stick with me here. I'm I'm gonna get, <laughs> get to the point, but. I, I've realized in my journey in, in real estate and commercial real estate that, you know, the expression, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And the thing is, even if it is broken and people are still making a lot of money, it's like, do they fix it? And there's like, well, no, we're just going to keep doing what we're doing. And, you know, we the, the profits and the gains will be able to sweep away any of these challenges, the inefficiencies that, that we're doing. And it's really frustrating for somebody like me who's in the industry. And I'm always looking for how do we do this better? Like, why do we do this? And I ask, I ask that question, like, why do we do this that way? Not to just be complaining, because I, I like building new things. I like that journey and exploring things. So it's really frustrating for me to go through that. When I went to Cretech last year, it was the first time in my professional career that I was around that many uh, entrepreneurs in tech, but commercial real estate specifically. And I could not, my cheeks hurt from smiling so much from being around that type of energy. Because the thing is, it's it's just that, uh, you know, when you're with people that just do things because that's the way you do it, you know, rinse and repeat, as you say. And then you're around people like, hey, this is what we're doing and we're doing this and we're trying to do this and that. Not, not in all cases. Sometimes it's a solution without a problem. And I'm like, I don't see how that's going to work. But the fact that people have that feeling and and put their money where their mouth is to actually build the company, to try to take that shot, it's an empowering 
feeling to be around that type of energy in the room. And that's why I wanted to share, I wanted to share that with you because one of the things that was my big takeaway from the conference that you've created a community of, and I know you didn't do it alone. I know you're a humble guy. You know, you're going to say you didn't do it alone and there's a lot of ups and downs, but the energy was palpable. And the fact that there's that many people that are trying to make the world a better, more efficient, cleaner place, more profitable place. It's, it's something to, to really hang your hat on. So kudos to you. Thanks, Dustin. I mean, that's great, man. And I, 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 it's a great, great um, uh, view that you have. And I, and I, I think that's why I've, I've become such a fan of the work that you're doing is because you're celebrating the entrepreneur and you're celebrating and putting a spotlight on the change makers and the troublemakers and the rebel rousers. You know, it's like that Apple uh, uh, commercial, which I loved, you know, here's to the crazy ones because you've got to be crazy <laughs> to be an entrepreneur. You have to be crazy. You have to be crazy to be, and I think an entrepreneur is a commercial real estate broker, right? Because they're independent. They eat what they kill. You know, there's a lot of, it's not just like, even though you work for a big corporation, there are so many entrepreneurs within this industry, right? It's not just the tech people. It's anybody who dares to think differently and um, try new things, embrace new tools, like good buddy of mine, uh, Jeremy Neuer is a top broker at JL Alp and at CBRE Cushman. And he's, he, you know, he's a, he's an investment sales broker and he's been embracing Cretech from the very beginning. And he comes to all the conferences and he discovers the tools. Some of them, he says, like you said, that's a, that's a nice to have. Well, that's a must have. I, I'm going to bring that and put that in my toolkit and bring this to my clients and help me with prospecting and help me with closing deals. And those are the people that just give me so much energy, Dustin, like, because it's so hard. It's, it's the easy way status quo, but that's not me. I want to break shit. I want to challenge the status quo. I want to like get people to think differently, try new things and take risk calculated. You know, I know the other thing about the commercial real estate is that it's risk averse as it relates to technology, but not as it relates to real estate probably the riskiest industry on earth. Yeah. The solutions that have been built, you know, they're, they're nice to haves. Um, and we, and the must haves are what, what is scaling today. And so we're at this really interesting period where I actually believe adoption and interest is greater now on behalf of the real estate industry in tech than it's ever been. Why? Because finally, the marketplace is now completely like upside down. Like tenants are questioning office space, long-term leases, how they use space, you know, where they use space. People are moving all over the country now for remote work. Um, there are challenges in construction and supply chain. Uh, in, in the, you know, capital markets are stressed occupancy stress and they take all the stress now well this is the time to lean in with an innovative mindset to say well how can technology solve my labor shortage how can technology solve my you know this 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 crazy uh inflation on materials to build building how can technology help me create a healthier safer building because that's what tenants want and so this is like you know again it, the market's always going to be bifurcated between nice to have and must have. Must have is going to make an immediate impact. It's going to have ROI and it's going to deliver some kind of bottom line impact in some capacity. Um, not to diminish a lot of the cool stuff that's been built, but you start to see the market bifurcate because there's demand now. At the show that we just did, you know, we had, I don't know, 3,500 people. I, there was more real estate companies than I've ever seen in the history of Cretech. Hmm. Why? Why? I don't know if it's anything I did because they're showing up now going, okay, let's see what the hell is under this roof. Like, let's see what's in this tent and let's see what kind of tools can help us meet the new realities of this incredibly influx dynamic marketplace. So we're finally at that time where um, we're, get, we're getting some serious, serious interest and adoption is finally starting to uh, uh, scale. In the market, would you say you're optimistic? I'm. I'm like. 
I'm optimistic. Um, I, oh boy, I don't know how to answer that. I'm optimistic by nature. Mm. I'm just an optimistic person. I'm cautiously optimistic about what I'm doing in our industry uh, because it's, it's hard. It's really hard. If you take a step back and you, and I spend most of my time with the real estate side of the, the marketplace, trying to understand their needs, their wants, their challenges, their opportunities. You know, you're, the technology sector is asking a lot of the real estate industry. The, the technology sector is siloed. There's 10,000 solutions. A lot of them don't integrate. Um, a lot of them are single point solutions. And now you're pitching to a real estate company going, use my tool. And the real estate company is going, how big is your company? How stable is your financing? Uh, how, how hard is it going to be for me to adopt and integrate this tool within my organization because I'm understaffed? Uh, and by the way, your tool doesn't work in New York as it does in London. Uh, so there's a lot of inherent challenges with tech adoption, number one. Number two is it's just slow as a result. So I'm, I'm optimistic in the long term, but it, it's going to take a lot of effort and time to get there. Where, where I'm, I would say I'm pessimistic, I'm more pessimistic is on the climate front. Mm. Because um, that we don't have time. You know, I am somebody, I'm going to get on my soapbox that believes in science, that believes the climate crisis is real. Just look out your, you know, your front door, your window. There's not a place in the world that's not being impacted by climate. And um, we, this is the baseline now going forward. So the, the hot summer, the, the, the hot, the warm winter, the flood, the fire, the, the, the you know, all every, the drought, um, these are these are things that will be here now forever, uh, at at this scale. Oh, and now it's only going to escalate. And the built environment um, has such a, an opportunity to play such an outsized role in leading the world, but it's understaffed, it's under resourced um, in terms of sustainability. And a lot of the challenges now are, well, who's going to pay for it? Because a lot of the tenants regulate a lot of the energy consumption and it's complicated. Uh, but government's coming after the industry. Um, insurance, as I said, the banks are, are going to stop lending. Uh, it's going to be impossible to get insurance in certain parts of the world. So I'm very anxious about the future of the planet, but also the impact it's going to have on this industry. Um, so I'm trying to do all I can to sort of galvanize and, and lead the charge. And that's where I said, where all roads lead and converge for me, at least. So that's where I'm, I'm focused every day now. One of the things that as far as these tools are concerned and being able to uh, measure the impact or what type of materials and having these things and what they are, one of the, one of the real true challenges is the adoption and getting people to understand it because the science people have been talking about what's coming for a long time and people weren't listening to whatever measuring apparatus they used or the medium that they were delivering that information to. And no, 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 that's not important. So I'm really interested and I wouldn't say like optimistic or pessimistic. I'm, I'm interested in seeing really how this unfolds and, and who I think it's going to take the people that adopt some of these technologies and some of these mindsets to be the one, to be the, um, the pig in the, with the brick house. <laughs> That's like, Oh yeah. See, like, look, look at what, look at what they did. And then hopefully that, that will cause more, more people to implement those type of strategies. Well, you're right. I, I think so, you know, where I land on sort of my messaging, Dustin, and, and I'm not going to be the, 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 the guy that's going to shame the industry. That feels very judgmental. Yeah. I have my own personal viewpoint. They're my personal views. Okay. It's not for me to amplify that. I think that, mm -hmm. that is a bit arrogant. Um, I also think it's foolish because it doesn't, I mean, who am I to tell you what you should and not should and should not do with your real estate, your career in terms of climate. So what I try to do is figure out, well, 
what's the most compelling argument? Like you said, the most compelling argument is that buildings that the healthiest, cleanest, safest buildings from an environmental point of view are commanding the highest rents in the marketplace in every city in the world. Fact. They're getting the highest sale prices. Fact. Um, They're the lowest in operating expenses because the energy consumption is managed so efficiently. Fact. They're dealing with a lot of supply chain issues uh, because uh, the manufacturing and the product side, there's so much that's happening on mass timber, uh, low carbon steel, uh, low carbon concrete, cement, uh, you know, and eventually like a Tesla, you know, prices will come down and it'll just be higher, more desirable building. I mean, why is Tesla the world's most uh, 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 valuable car company? It's not because it's an EV, because it's a great freaking car. And oh, by the way, it's an EV. Like there is story after story after story that people buy that car. They're not necessarily just looking for an EV. They're looking for a really high performance car. And mm-hmm. so the real estate industry is an opportunity to become high performance uh, from a building and an operating point of view. And high performance means high profitability, right? And so I just make the capitalistic pitch about the amount of money that's going to be made and to be gotten. Now, the other side of the equation is, think about you've got a dirty brown building in some floodplain, in some part of the world that's getting hit hard by fire, drought, rain, or, 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 or you know, a grid system that's not resilient. Those are stranded assets in a couple of years, if not now. What do you do with these assets? Who buys them? Who, who's going to retrofit them? They're obsolete. So what I my message is all about the marketplace. The marketplace for green spaces is going to outperform every other type of space, whether it's retail, self-storage, hotels, office buildings, multifamily, logistics, proven, 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 proven. So that, that's where I land. It's just going to take time. And that's when I said, you asked about optimistic. That's where I'm just, you know, um, I'm concerned. Let's leave it with that, that, that this is taking too, it's going to take too long. In Europe, we're already starting to see it. But the U.S., you know, we're lagging. What Saka said, where I landed, Dustin, was, you know, he said, look, I said to him, I said, you know, what are we to make of, about government's role in all this? He said, listen, forget about it. Don't wait for it. Don't rely on it. It's going to be about jobs and all the jobs right now are going to red states to build fact, you know, battery plants and this and that. So while a red state might say that, you know, they're climate uh, deniers and a blue state might say we're climate, uh, you know, advocates, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's irrelevant. It's where the jobs are. And the jobs are going to Kentucky, Arizona. That's a great thing. That's a great message. So you want jobs? You want a good, great career? You want to make a shit ton of money? Go after climate. Go after climate tech. Go after sustainability. That's that's where I land, Dustin. One of those things that, that you mentioned, and especially when you get pulled to, to either side, let's say like, you know, the red states or blue states, and these people are advocates, these people are deniers, you know, optimistic, pessimistic, and, and you know, future, past, I think the way this the spiritual piece kind of weaves back into this is being able to be present and being in like, what, what do you, what can you do now? Like what they can trust the experiences that you had to make your decisions now and not to live too far in the future about, you know, Oh, what, what will happen or dwell in the past? We should have did this or that, but make your impact now in whatever it is that you're doing, wherever it is. And, it's amazing. It's really cool for me to be able to have this conversation with you who sees a lot of these different aspects and the, you know, the commercial real estate, the tech, the sustainability, and you have that mindset of, of presence and balance. And that's what it's, um, I'd say it's comforting in a way to know that there's leaders out there such as yourself that, that take that holistic approach. 
to your to your life and your journey. Thanks, Dustin. It means a lot. I appreciate it. I think you know the the other thing that I'd say about my my approach is like, look, I'm not I'm not the smartest guy in the room. Definitely not this room that we're in. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I don't have a lot of the answers. Uh, I'm, I'm, as I said, I'm a blank canvas. I'm an infinite learner. I'm I'm constantly just every day. I'm trying to consume something or meet somebody that teaches me something. So on this particular climate journey, and I also with the Cretech journey, you know, which is one and the same, um, I, it's the same sort of uh, playbook for me, which is surround yourself with people who are far smarter than you, which is very easy in my case, <laughs> that, that are in positions of impact and lean in on that community and start to organize it start to bring it together and just start asking, you know, what could I do to be helpful? What are your objectives? Um, and so like, I just start, you know, I, I start with a group of five heads of sustainability for the biggest real estate companies in the world. You go, you go meet, you don't have an ask, just go in. How can I help? Right. You don't have an ask for me. I don't, I don't, I'm not looking for anything. Give me something that I could do for you today. And when you start with five, become 50, 50 becomes 500, becomes 5,000, become 500,000, become five. Like, that's how I think. It's just, you throw the stone in the, in the, in the pond and you just see the ripples. And that's how I build, you know, my ecosystem for impact. Cause I'm one, I'm one guy. I'm not Al Gore. I'm not Chris Saka. I'm not, you know, I'm not, uh, sitting on top of Blackstone or, or Black Rock. I don't have the financial tools to be able to just poof, you know, make shit happen. Uh, what can I do is I, I try and galvanize, build and galvanize communities and people. So that's what I'm doing. So when you say, how can people help? Where do you lean in spiritually? It comes all the way back down, back to that. Mm -hmm. I, Where I'm doing, how can I help? Where where would would you say if you can identify like where that mindset came from? Was there was there a specific time in your career that you realized that the the service mindset and like starting with that was is that was, was there a specific time in your life for you or a person that that led you to that? Well, this does feel like a therapy session, which is great because I don't go to therapy, but I clearly. Do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think it comes back to that epiphany when I, you know, started to embrace Buddhism and spirituality and mindfulness because, you know, when I built my company, my agency, my PR firm, I really built it with just one person in mind, which was me. Like that thing was all created to feed my needs, my personal financial needs, my sense of, of needing, um, place to say to have an identity I, I, that guy whoever that guy was i created him uh you know he, he was a total fictional character that i created it wasn't me it was somebody i was playing a role and you know you start to see the after, after 10 years or so i started to see some of the fruits of my labor and my sacrifices and then you get to the point where you're like well that's is this all there is mm -hmm. Like, I I wasn't motivated by having the biggest house on the block, the fanciest watch, the nicest clothes, car suits. I mean, I had some nice stuff, but and then I was like, well, that this it's, it's a kind of a lonely journey as an entrepreneur, and it's a selfish one when you just build castles for yourself and castles not just in the material sense, but in the you know in the in the emotional or the spiritual sense, like. You're just building a, a foundation of just this massive ego gratification. And I hated it. I woke up one day. I was just like, this sucks. You know, my, my friends aren't authentic because they're business friends. My work is not authentic because I don't believe in it. I don't love it. Um, and, you know, the money's good and I'm not shitting on it because you got to make money. And I didn't come from much of anything. So it was important. But I, I, I think at that point I was like, well, how can I build a career that serves a greater good? And a greater good, I'm not talking about I'm, I'm curing diseases 
we're solving hunger, a greater good where, you know, thousands of people can come to a place, a community where they can find jobs and they can build something with their dreams and they can get funding for uh, an idea that they had or a company could discover a tool that will have an impact that they're looking for. I mean, that feels, and I can make money along the way for my employees and my investors. That's a great, that's, that's where I'm at, man. So yeah, yeah. there was that epiphany of living a very selfish life. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just, it felt very shallow for me and, and unfulfilling. And, well, being yeah, that's it, I switch. well ha- having that feeling and being led to make the change is, I, I think, crucial for anybody in, in their journey. And it, to go back to not judging how people do whatever, whatever they do, but to be able to be aware that, you know, maybe this isn't it. And being on a, on a path and saying, you know, maybe I'm just going to stop for a minute, <laughs> look around and maybe go a different direction, or at least maybe clean off my glasses or, 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 or change the, change the, you know, change the, the map, look at the map a different way because something needs to change. And I'm, I'm for one thankful that, that you did. And all the moves that you made, because again, you're—it's pretty cool. I don't know. Thanks, Des. I'm impressed with you. I'm—you're uh, great, and, and you know, you. <laughs> I think the other—the last thing for me is just again not to be preachy, particularly young people, you know, because I know you have a lot of young listeners, a lot of students. Like, you know, you devote ninety percent of your life to work, which is an American thing, mostly. I think, which is crazy when you think about it. And you don't want to be that person that wakes up one day and looks back and go, man, that went fast. And I wish I had done things differently. Like Mm. there's no redo in this. Right. So for me, it's, if I'm not feeling great about what I'm doing, I'm still going to work the same amount of hours. I'm still going to grind because that's my nature. I love hard work. But why can't it be fulfilling? If you're stuck in a job and you're going into a building that you don't love and with a company you don't love, working on something you don't enjoy, why do it? Because what? Society. And this is where I think my non-traditional journey has given me the sort of the freedom and the courage to think this way. Dustin is like, why do it then? If life change can change in a moment, you you know, you never know. There's no guarantee you're going to make it till tomorrow. So take have the courage to say, this sucks. I hate it. I always wanted to be a freaking yoga teacher. I always wanted to be a skilled tradesman. I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. I always had a dream of doing this. Uh, it's not going to be easy. But if, if you want, if you don't want to have regrets on this journey, you know, step out of, you know, give yourself the, the, the ability to question what you're doing and, uh, you know, just start over every day. That's what I do. Yeah, man. Hitting home with that one. Uh, and I would say to your, to your other point about putting yourself in the company of people that encourage you to do that and that will, will push you forward and, and be there to support you, you know, mentally, spiritually, with advice as a sounding board that that wants you to grow, that wants you to evolve. I think that's that's key. Well, I, I think that the, that's a great point. I think one thing again, not to scare people, doing following this path, it is probably the loneliest journey because, you know, I could if I was sitting in an office with fifteen, twenty, five hundred people who thought looked like me, acted like me, went to the same school like me. There's, there's a sense of security in that sort of, um, uh, that monolithic sort of culture that you live in. When you step out, and by the way, most of my friends have big corporate jobs. They work for massive companies and I'm the outlier, right? Mm. Red network, you know, uh, and they look at me like I'm crazy. Like, what? You have to worry about payroll every day? I'm like, yeah. Don't you? No, I work for, you know, so and so. Trillion dollar company. Uh, uh, and so it's a lonely journey. But then what you do is you, you feed on the, the, 
build this community of people like you that you know you're smiling and you're you know the journey and you've shared the journey that I've shared. It, you'll <laughs> find crazy. your tribe. You find the tribe eventually, but it is a like when I go to Cretech and I'm around so all those people, man. Like what, whatever I might have been feeling about self doubt or loneliness on the journey, you know, because I'm out here on an island. When you step into that arena, you know, the man in the arena, and you yeah. go with people who got mud on their face and dirt on their hands, and they got the scars to show it. Like you said, Justin, there is nothing better in the world. I get goosebumps just thinking about, like, I can't wait to go back into that arena with that. Yeah. Because, you know, that that's what makes it great. So it's lonely a lot of times. And then you connect with someone like yourself who's got a big smile. The audience can't see you. And you're <laughs> bigger. That's where I come back home. Like the man in the mirror, the man in the mirror, just like, you know, the man in the arena, rather. The man in the arena. Like I read that every day. That's on my wall. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. That's it. Michael, uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. You've been so uh, gracious with your time. Thank you again. Kudos. If there's if there any, I'm going to give uh, more information about you and your company in the show notes, but if there's nothing else. I just want to say thank you. Thanks. Thank man. you for everything. I really enjoyed it, man. You're, you're, you're a good dude and uh, I'm a big fan of all that you're doing. And, you know, listen, you're following your passion, you're changing lives, you're helping people. So anybody that's a friend of yours is a friend of mine. So if there's anybody I can be helpful with in any capacity, um, you know, whether it's just listening or, helping or giving some advice, you know, bring it on and uh, let's, uh, let's try and uh, change the world one person at a time. You got it, man. Have a good one. Thanks, Dustin. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Tools, Talents, and Techniques. We hope you enjoyed this conversation. And if you did find value in the episode, please consider subscribing to the podcast on your favorite platform. Also, leave a review and share with your network. We have an amazing lineup in the coming weeks and months, some of the most impressive leaders and some of the heaviest hitters in business, all of which whom I consider making a positive impact in the world. So stay tuned for more exciting episodes and special features coming up. We appreciate your ongoing support and we look forward to welcoming you back next time on Tools, Talents, and Techniques. Thank you.